Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Coindesk TV. It is The Hash. I am Zach Seward. I'm joined by Jensen Assey and Will Foxley. Crypto, Wendy O may be joining us, but let's get to it. Our job here, get you up to speed on all that's going on in crypto. Bit of a slow news day, but that doesn't mean there's not plenty to talk about. Jen, lead us off. Elon Musk's back. So his team... I know, slow news day, but we got Elon. So his team sent a second letter calling off the $44 billion acquisition of Twitter. The letter again claims that the information provided by the social media platform was false and misleading and cites Twitter whistleblower Peter Zatko. So he's Twitter's former chief security officer. He claims that he uncovered extreme egregious deficiencies by Twitter in every area of his mandate. Now, a Twitter spokesperson uh, countered what he said and said that Zacco was fired for ineffective leadership and poor performance. And this is all happening while a Delaware judge called Elon Musk's request for data about Twitter spam and fake accounts absurdly broad, but still ordered Twitter to provide a smaller subset of the information. So a lot going on here. This has kind of been unfolding ever since the whistleblower came out a few weeks ago. Uh, Will, what do you think of this second letter? Do you think it is going to be effective? I don't know. I kind of tuned out this story like in July because it just kept dragging (laughs) on. I don't know if everyone else feels that way too, right? Like just put it to bed one way or the other. Purchase it or don't purchase it. I don't care at this point. Make a decision. I guess if you get into the weeds here, it is a little bit interesting. Like the Zacco guy looks looks pretty professional, right? But why did he get fired? I'm not quite sure. It seems like Probably shouldn't go out and whistleblow in your company. Not a great move. But his background's pretty legitimate, right? DARPA, Alphabet, others. He's probably like a, a back in the 90s, who's a big hacker. And so I think a lot of people wanted to use his talents. Jack Dorsey hired him there. And then he turns around whistleblows on Twitter. And now Elon Musk is using him. What a weird world would be to be like in the center of all these billionaires and be sort of a pawn for them. That's kind of an, an odd instance here. If Elon buys it, that would be a big deal, right? Because stock market has really been down for quite a while. Don't think Twitter is quite 
worth what it used to be worth back in the spring, just because we've just seen a tumbling prices for all tech stocks. Twitter's adamant on seeing this go through, which is quite a reversal from the spring, right? Where we first saw some hesitancy from Twitter, a lot of hesitancy from people inside Twitter who were against Elon Musk buying it. And now they are moving forward with it. I guess you probably owe something to your investors if you have a huge offer on the table and there's some clauses making sure it closes. Zach, what do you think? I don't know. I'm with you. I tuned this one out a while ago. This happened back in <laughs> April when everyone was captivated. They're like, oh, my Elon's going to buy Twitter. Oh, my God. And then the Doge went pumping for no reason whatsoever. It was, yeah, those were the days. But this, this seems like in the weeds of legal proceedings. And I guess, hey, he said it twice. He doesn't want to do this thing anymore. So just listen to him and let him walk away and <laughs> settle in court, pay the money for messing everything up and let's be done with this thing. Jen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of just want people to listen to Elon and let him walk away too. I, in the intro, I mentioned, you know, the judge saying that his, his request for information is kind of absurd. And I think the quote is, is funny. So I'm going to read it. The judge said trillions upon trillions of data points for more than 200 million users was overly burdensome and no one in their right mind has ever tried to undertake such an effort. And that's kind of what I think the general public has been saying about this. Like, why is Elon so focused on finding out if that percentage that Twitter claimed, I think it was 5%, is true? I don't know, Zach, do you have something to add there? No, I mean, I just, I think it is worth <laughs> sort of remembering the, the, the bigger picture here, right? The fascination, I guess, for a Coindesk audience is, will Elon decentralized Twitter into some sort of public good protocol, which has been sort of a vision that's been espoused by Jack Dorsey for a number of years now. Uh, Jack Dorsey recently said his greatest regret was turning Twitter into a company. So it's interesting to speculate about what this future might be, but also the time is ripe and we've seen a lot of decentralized social media firms pop up, right? And I think it's now the time for them to sort of seize this and be like, hey, let's see if we can get the party over here, whether it's Lens Protocol from Aave, whether it's Deso.com, which we heard a lot of noise about over the past eight to 10 months. Now is the time, I think, for some of these upstarts, these Web3 upstarts to say, okay, you know, here's some problems that uh, are being brought to light. We have a potential solution and it's decentralized social media and it can be better for XYZ. I don't think we're seeing a lot of noise around that because there's not a ton of conversation about the legal proceedings here in this case. But I think now is the time. No better time than the present. Get to it, decentralized social media people. All right, we're going to change gears. Will, what are you thinking? Let's move over to Iran. We're going to talk about something a little bit more crypto native, and that is the use of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for moving payments across borders. Sanctioned countries like Iran are often the case studies for these conversations because you want to look at the permissionless nature of crypto and the censorship resistant nature of sending money across borders. And so Iran is always a great case study even more in depth because of the nuclear prohibitions that are around Iran, including the sanctions from the United States and other Western countries. We've seen from self-reports and a semi-official news agency within Iran, TASNIM, I say semi-official because it is difficult to parse what is official media in Iran and what is state-sponsored and otherwise. According to this new report, they're going to allow limited uses of cryptocurrencies across borders for purchases and for settling transactions including larger purchases, for example, selling cars, being able to move that in and out of the country. This has big repercussions over the long term because Iran has been sitting in this place where it's not allowed to use foreign currency like the dollar. It's been blocked from using a lot of payment systems out there. 
because of its regime and because of its nuclear ambitions. And crypto, the fact that you can move money permissionlessly through the mining or validator networks and not be touched by anyone, really is dangerous to SWIFT and any other sort of US hegemonic systems that are incumbent to the global financial system. This might seem like a small story, but I think it sort of builds up into a case of a bunch of other stories we have about Iran over the last few years about their interest in crypto, their interest in mining Bitcoin, their interest in using cryptocurrency to settle across borders. Zach, I want to throw this one to you. Get your take on it. Yeah, the official import order was worth some $10 million, according to one of the reports. And I'm just curious who's on the other side of this deal right now. Uh, what, like, Who is using these rails to sell stuff? That, to me, is the interesting bit. It's curious to see some of these networks emerge where you know certain countries can pay outside of the traditional financial rails. So if this is a, a viable use case or an actual use case of crypto payments, then it should be discussed. It's, it's rather interesting. I think it does give people in the regulatory world pause, right? If this is a way for countries to evade sanctions, if it's a whole new end around, it, whether it's North Korea or Iran or Cuba or what have you, governments that are disfavored by certain world powers, that to me is something that we've heard a lot more noise about it. And this is actually the proof in the pudding that this potentially is happening, right? So whether or not this fuels additional regulatory conversations around how to rein it in, how to make sure that some of the intermediary firms that are uh, touching these payments along the chain are uh, implementing uh, sanctions, be they OFAC or others, and make sure that those sanctioned entities aren't able to do transactions such as this. I think we might see some additional noise around that, and we might see some additional pushback being like, well, hey, we're creating a parallel financial system that is helping to subvert national policy interests. Maybe that's not good. And I think in the conversation around OFAC, Tornado Cash, maybe a looming crackdown on some of these technologies, this is certainly a data point that should be folded into that conversation for better or worse. Jen, curious for your thoughts though. Zach, as I put my hand up, you took the words right out of my mouth and said them a lot more eloquently than I would. I think that we see that, you know, when we look at how the US government was looking into what's going on in El Salvador, I think as more and more countries start to take on crypto and take on Bitcoin and are using them for transactions that could supervent sanctions. Regulators in the US look at this and they get very, very scared. And so, Will, I totally agree with you. This seems like a small story, but there's a much bigger picture here. And I think we're going to see regulators react very quickly to them. A lot is happening in the regulatory space right now. We're getting the executive order reports soon. There's a lot of talk around sanctions and tornado cash. So I think we're going to see regulators react quickly. Will, what do you think? Yeah, these small stones end up making large buildings, so they're important to pay attention to. And I like the fact you brought up the tornado cash part of the Zach. I think like my mind is already drifting away from that because the crypto news cycle moves so fast. But that tornado cash story is not gone, right? That developer is still in prison and waiting trial for charges we don't know about, right? And so that is how seriously these Western countries are taking protecting their financial systems, right? They are going to imprison developers, not charge them with anything formally. And we'll find out about it, the fact, afterwards. So if Iran's moving forward with this, I would expect more pressure. And like we talked about yesterday, we're still waiting to see what the Biden administration's executive order layout looks like going into the next few weeks. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. 
Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. Well, we are talking about Genies. They are the avatar startup that you've heard a little bit as they inch closer and closer to the world of Web3. And this one is probably their biggest milestone yet. They've launched an NFT fashion marketplace where you can outfit your digital self with items from select designers. This one's interesting. We hear about the metaverse all the time. Startups like this, building ways for people to engage in meaningful ways, now integrating NFT technology. All right, that's what I got. Wendy is back. I'm going to toss it to her, put her on the spot. You buying this? What's your, what's your take on this one? I don't know if I'm going to buy it, but full disclosure, I do consulting for similar companies on the back end. I can't say which one it is due to an NDA, but you're going to see a lot more of these pop up, especially during the bear market, which I think is absolutely amazing because all it's going to do is going to help with mass adoption. The only issue I have with these fashion NFT marketplaces is that I want like a tangible good. Like I feel like these goods are good for in-game items, but I don't know. Like I personally could walk in the metaverse and wear like a white t-shirt and some jeans and be very happy. I don't need anything super fancy, but that could just be me. Jen, did you have your hand up? I did. And so I completely agree with you. I would also want a physical object, but the kids, I don't think the kids want it. I don't think they care. They're spending all this money in Roblox. I really feel like this is where the people who are building these products are thinking. I obviously think this is cool. I think all NFT metaverse news is cool. What's interesting to me though, so Instagram has launched a feature where you can build your own avatar. I did that last night coincidentally and built this little avatar. I think a mainstream audience is going to look at this and say, well, what's the difference between the avatar that I've just built on my Instagram platform and can use in various different ways and this genie's thing? I think there still is a need for a lot of education that can come via different marketing vehicles and explaining what the difference is, right? And we see this with gamers. Gamers don't understand what the difference is between a digital asset, owning that digital asset that you can buy, trade, sell, uh, make different iterations of whatever, and then just having something that you can play with in-game. And I think that education will come from the Web2 platforms. I think the education is going to come during this, this bear market. And when we're in the next bull cycle, and this is very exciting, I think people will use it. I don't know that there is going to be that demand for having the physical object. I feel like this economy is going to be created, these digital assets, and we'll stop thinking about what's happening in the physical world. They might be separate in a way. Wendy, tell me I'm wrong. No, I agree with you, but I just would like a piece, like a physical good, like a tangible good, if I'm going to spend like a million ETH on some intangible metaverse item is all. I just want something to touch. I just want something to touch. I agree with you, but I don't know about others. (laughs) Wendy, are you spending a million ETH on Metaverse stuff? Because that is some crazy stuff. I hope not. I wish I had a a million ETH. Unfortunately, I don't. If I did, you guys probably wouldn't see me. So that would be sad. Wendy'd be like, sorry, guys, I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm going to go buy some swag. Anyway, yeah, I think this is the uh, the future. Let's, go, let's just go ahead and say it. People decking out their virtual selves, hopefully on avatars that can exist across platform, right? Hey, I want to invest in my appearance in these virtual environments. Hey, I want to invest in my appearance to make myself in these immersive online experiences more true to who I believe I am. And that may be any number of things. I think it's cool that this sort of opens the possibility for 
online reinvention for people who want to deck themselves out however they see fit. And that's what this is. I think Wendy is right. We're going to see more of these things roll out, more of these marketplaces where you can kind of go to the mall, get a fresh icy white shirt or whatever, get your fresh shades, get some crazy hair, do yourself up. And I think that's kind of where things are going in terms of online experiences. Maybe this is an early signal or a not so early signal as to where things are headed. Will, it's awesome to you though. So isn't this like sort of like what Snapchat did back in the day where you could add like your little dude and dress them up. There's tons of them different platforms where this has been tried in the past. The difference here is that you have to pay for it, right? And then there's some sort of metaverse angle to it as well that I get to have an immersive experience. I'm pretty bearish on this still. I've been proven wrong on NFTs over and over again. But to me, this just doesn't seem like something people will want unless there's a physical aspect to it. I still think there's that disconnect there. And that's why I think like the NFT shoe drops that have a shoe associated with it or something like that have been really successful. Because I get both things, right? I get some sort of item with it, a physical item I can hold and show to people in the real world where you actually want to impress people. And then I can also have it on my phone if I want to take it out and show it to my friends. Like I have this NFT here. You can see it right here. So I'm bearish on it. I don't know. That's my last take on it. But you guys are really bullish on it. So I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys are going to wear into the metaverse. Any uh, cool well, chains for Zach or something like that? See a world where maybe if you can't afford a certain item in real life, you may be able to get, you know, a designer shirt or a designer bag in the metaverse and have these like parallel realities. I don't almost. want to live in that world. But, but I don't know, maybe designer bags are going to cost even more in the metaverse and I'm completely wrong. Gas fees alone. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to roll up to the metaverse casino fully fitted. That's what I'm talking about. All right. We're just going to change gears. Wendy's going to take the last story of the day. It has been a morning, you guys. It has been a morning. So we have to talk about this story. It's kind of funny, but it's not funny and just ridiculous. So Crypto.com sues user after refunding $10 million instead of $100. The interesting thing about the story is it did, in fact, resurface. And the mistake was discovered in a company audit just before last Christmas, and it took them seven months to notice. And this woman has spent quite a bit of the money, according to the article. And Crypto.com wants their money back. I don't blame them. But at the same time, if this person did, in fact, send the cryptocurrency to the wrong address, they wouldn't get a refund. So I don't know how this is going to hold up in court. But I will say if I did receive an amount of money, I would send it back. I've always been that type of person. It just doesn't feel good to me to see money on the floor or to see somebody leave something. I feel like people should be decent. I want to go ahead and toss this to Will though for his spicy. I mean, you never know what kind of person you are until you get $10 million in your MetaMask wallet randomly. So it kind of depends, right? We'll have to put you in that situation. Then we'll find out. I do think you do the right thing though. I think you're a good person, Wendy. But I think this, this story is pretty great because this is going to happen in crypto and it has happened in the past. And here we get like the full story, right? So we have a woman who goes and buys a mansion complete with a gym. And I think there was a like a movie set up as well. And then she also gave money to her daughter, like almost a half million dollars for whatever purpose. And they don't even show up in court, right? And so now the court is trying to claim back or claw back the mansion. And they're also trying to get interest on top of this 10% interest. That's pretty good for a uh, pretty low interest rates across the globe last year. If you really want to make some money, try to do some uh, reclamations in court. That's the way to go, I think. The whole story is perfect, though. We've seen some of these instances in the past. BlockFi last year was the big story, right? Where they accidentally sent a bunch of Bitcoin to a bunch of different users, and they had to go back and ask for it. And they basically just got tar-faced all over 
Twitter. No one really liked what they were doing and they just made fun of them. And it happens, right? Like you make mistakes and it's really easy to put in numbers and accounts and like swap up between Bitcoin or USDC and send the wrong money somewhere else. It happens. And I think we'll see more of this happen as we move into a crypto future. But for now, I'm just enjoying like what a golden nugget of a story this is. This is fantastic. Jen, I'll give it to you. Well, this is the beauty of crypto, right? No one can go into your wallet and take that money out once the funds have been transferred. I have a friend here in Canada whose tax return was deposited into someone else's bank account, $30,000. And that person spent the money, but the Canadian Revenue Agency was able to go into the account when money was in there and just take it out without telling them. That doesn't happen in crypto, which is good. But then in instances like this, you know, there's no recourse. We have to depend on people doing the right thing. I, When I read the story, I was like, I hope when they asked her for the money back, she said at some point, well, fortune favors the brave because that would have been hilarious. Wendy, what do you got? Before sending it over to Zach, cough, cough, tornado cash, cough, cough, USDC. Cough, cough. I don't think that citing the Matt Damon line would work in a court of law. I but just think it's I'm, funny. I mean, it would be a pretty funny joke. <laughs> Jen, sure. totally pull a Johnny Depp and just be like, when they were asking him, oh, were you drunk that night? He's like, were you there? I feel like Jen would like recite some sort like of line. Legally blonde all over again. I'd be like, well, didn't you say fortune favors the, is it bold or brave? I don't even know. See, I wouldn't do so well. <laughs> bold, yeah. I mean, uh, yes, fortune favors the bold. And that's why I purchased the mansion why. with right. the bank I'm error bold. in my favor that turned out not to be in my favor. But you're right. Do the right thing always, folks. You get $10 million <laughs> on accident in your exchange account. Don't think that you just can take the money and run and there won't be repercussions, right? And that's what we're seeing here. Crypto is not the parallel universe that is completely at a remove from the real world. No, real world legal apparatuses certainly interact with crypto on a daily basis. And that is what we are seeing right here. Anyway, all right, that's it for today, which is a Tuesday. I will say it is a Tuesday, but I will not say what type of Tuesday. Oh, no. (laughs) They're snagged up. Oh, boy. Look, we're in the taco oh, truck. Boy. I've only just. I love so that. Oh my gosh! Unfortunately, I have <laughs> to cook tonight, truck. so I don't get tacos. Darn. All right. Well, mm. we'll see if we can make some tacos here at the at the homestead. All right, that's it for taco. the show today. We will be back tomorrow on a Wednesday for the hash. Wishing you well. I'm Zach. That's Wendy. Jen. Will. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this is the last time you hear this ad because with Chime Checking Account, Features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. 
Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. That's chime.com slash goals24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.